This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Right here on 98.7 ESPN. I'm, I'm a little frustrated. Uh, before we get back to the Knicks, the Minnesota Vikings had one job today, and it was to find a way to pick off the Bills. And safe to say, not going well so far. The Vikings just did score a touchdown, but as I was talking, they were down 27-10. to 10. It's now 27-17. It's a 10-point game nearing the end of the third quarter. But, I mean, I guess it's foolish of me to have any faith in Kirk Cousins because, truthfully, his homecoming last week where you, you like that, you like that, and it was all inspiring, should have lost to the Commanders. They were down 10 in the fourth quarter, and Washington just screwed that game up. So for me to watch Minnesota last week barely beat the Commanders and come in today thinking they would have any shot of, of beating the Bills, I, I, I also considered you know Josh Allen may not play and if he did, he was going to be limited to some degree. Just hasn't gone well uh, for for Minnesota in this game. And the reason why, of course, is if you're a Jet fan, you'd love to see the Bills get to 6-3 and three today because that means the Jets would overtake them in first place in the AFC East. And look, is it premature to look at standings? Of course not. When you are a, a, a fan of a team that is starving for success, it's never too premature. I was talking before the season – about us getting to November, December, and when you know TV broadcasts show that in the hunt graphic, can we have the Giants in there at some point? Can we have the Jets in there at some point? And so far, uh, it's, it's looking pretty good. The, the Texans, uh, as we transition to the Giants, the Texans right now just fumbled in the red zone, and it looks like the Giants may take over, but there is a penalty flag down. And the Texans are arguing that their running back Pierce had his knee down, uh, but it does look like the penalty is going to be declined by the because it was on the Texans, so a holding penalty declined by the Giants. They will take over with possession of the football up eleven in the fourth quarter, and so far so good because Daniel Jones got to give him credit; he's responded so far on drives where the Giants need the points. You come in. To kick off the second half, up 7-3, Giants need the points, they get a touchdown. Houston responds with a touchdown of its own. Daniel Jones needs to, in bowling we say mark, that's a spare or a strike. The Giants needed to mark, needed a field goal or a touchdown, and Jones with the pass rush right in front of him, throwing off of his back leg, was a back leg able to find Slayton for a 54-yard touchdown. And the Giants uh, took a 11-point lead, and now they have the ball and should win this game. Should win this game. The Giants' defense this year has been excellent, and it continues to be the case. And I, I think fans are a little hesitant in buying all, you know, buying into this team and being all in just because you just haven't seen enough from them offensively. But back to the Knicks we go. Uh, 800-919-3776. We just want to check in with the Knicks fans. Uh, I, I guess you're alive, but you're barely breathing. You're 6-7, and seven, and here are your wins on the air. Two, ti- two times against the Pistons. Dreadful. You beat the Magic, and you beat the Hornets. And those are the three worst teams in the Eastern Conference. You beat the Sixers without Harden and Embiid. You beat the Wolves. They're also under 500, but that was a very impressive win for the Knicks. Uh, just wire to wire. It came out and was hot from three in Minnesota. They were able to get the job done. And now you, you look at the losses begin to pile up, and it, it's a tale of two tapes. When the Knicks play 
bad teams, typically they've been able to beat them. But the good teams, the Grizzlies, the Bucks, the Celtics, the Hawks, they're not able to win. And then this week, the Nets aren't a good team. Got blown out by them. Oklahoma City wouldn't consider them to be a good team. Got blown out by them today. So it is a little bit concerning if you're watching this unfold. I don't know what your expectation was coming into the season, but it did sound like it was trending toward, uh, well, they can be a play-in game. You know, they can be a team that makes it to the play-in round, which is just it's so fascinating how you could exit the offseason having signed a guy to a $100 million contract in Jalen Brunson and then extended R.J. Barrett, $120 million. So we're talking about over $220 million uh, of of contract money being doled out to your backcourt and we're, we're capping the ceiling at a play-in game. Just felt a little odd to me considering where you were two years ago and I, I just don't know uh, what the move is because at some point, again, you're going to start to question whether this is the head coach for this team, Tom Thibodeau. I don't think he deserves to be fired, but it's going to become a legitimate question if they continue to struggle. And then once you get to the trade deadline, you're going to have to answer the all-important are we buyers or sellers question. And I'm watching Cam Reddish play well today and Emmanuel Quickly, who, interestingly enough, as reported by SNY's Ian Begley yesterday, has been involved in at least some preliminary trade discussions, teams calling the Knicks about Emmanuel quickly. And I'm wondering, if this is a guy that you are going to trade, can you find a way to get Evan Fournier's contract involved in said trade? Because quickly is a, a young, talented guy, but, I mean, how much is he going to provide for you? If you could get something of value for him, uh, whether that's an asset or you know helping you get off of the Fournier contract, then maybe that's something that you entertain. But right now, the Knicks, the problem, obviously, is defensively. They can't stop anybody. And when Oklahoma City comes in today and scores 145 points, and you've got Giddy going for 24, Lou Dort, who's known for defense, went off for 24 points today, and then SGA gave you 37, 8, and 5, that's a problem. That That is a problem. And all season long, they've had issues defending the three-point shot which we know when, when Thibs first got here wasn't really a, a, a problem. But the Knicks, Knicks are going to Knicks, I guess. 800-919-3776, Dante in Queens, batting leadoff this afternoon. What's up, Dante? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Um, is, is, um, you know, obviously when to talk about the Knicks and like I just um you know, told told the other guy on the stage. Like, I feel like they're they're a team full of frauds. You know, you got three guys on this team with a hundred million plus contracts, and it's like, I feel like this is the best you can do. I just wanted to get to. I understand it's still early. I just want to get to the playoffs and be somewhat respectable. It's not like I'm delusional and I want this team to get to the finals. R.J. Barrett, I'm 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 done, man. Because it's like. I was one of the people who was like, oh, no, don't put him in the Mitchell deal. The idea the idea is to get Mitchell to play alongside him. But now I feel stupid for that, and, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. I feel like a complete moron. You should have got him. You should have thrown him in that deal, bought Mitchell here. And I know that's Monday morning quarterbacking, but I feel like as the trading deadline gets close, because it's, it's, it's like – 
he improved his three, he improved his free throw, but he's still not where he should be yet. I agree. And it's, it's like he looked like he didn't even belong on an NBA court today. And and, and and to be making the type of money that you're making is pathetic. Well, I appreciate the I, I, I appreciate yeah. Dante sounds frustrated. I'm sorry, man. I appreciate the call. I can't really argue with the point that he's making about RJ Barrett and something that, you know, when I was on last night, I discussed heavily. And it's not that we're questioning the existence of talent because because clearly it's there. It's just when you measure the return on your investment, when you measure the early returns on him being the number three overall pick, a guy who we've been told ad nauseum, we're looking to build around him. This is our franchise cornerstone piece. Are we watching a guy who we think is going to be developing into a, a big-time NBA star? Like We saw that on the other side of the court with SGA today, completely in control of the game in every facet, even playing some defense, which he isn't known to do. But he was in complete control, dishing, and as you know, to, to use a Clydeism, dishing and swishing, hitting threes, getting to the basket at will. Um, it, it, the game came so easy to him, and it felt impactful. Whereas R.J. Barrett, even sometimes, where, like Friday night against the Pistons where he scored 30, just didn't feel like all of that much of an impact. And I don't think it, it, it's too premature to question that if in year four he just looks this way, is this the guy who's really going to carry you to contention? And you just gave him a four-year extension worth 120 M's. And I get it's something you had to do. But to Dante's point, how many of us right now are regretting the take that we had of can't include R.J. Barrett in a trade for Donovan Mitchell? Because Mitchell looks amazing. Mitchell's in the MVP conversation. The Cavs are excellent. And he is the best player on that team right now. Whereas R.J. Barrett looks pretty mid on a mediocre Knicks team. You know, I don't want to sound like you, I'm coming down and, and the, the Knicks' struggles fall at the feet of R.J. Barrett. Like, he is the one who should bear the brunt of all the criticism. No. But it's when we analyze and project going forward what this organization's blueprint is for what, you know, success and being in that conversation of the elite teams in the Eastern Conference – is R.J. Barrett going to be a big factor in that? And so far, the early returns on that candidacy, not going well. More of your phone calls coming up. 800-919-3776. Giants lead 21-10 right now. Texans do have the ball back in the red zone, so we'll keep you posted on that game, waiting for it to go final. Ty D. Butler, that's on Twitter and Instagram. 800-919-3776. More in a moment right here on 9870. This the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Ty D. Butler on Twitter and Instagram. Giants just scored a touchdown courtesy of Saquon Barkley, so they're about to take a 21-10 lead late in the third quarter. And once this game goes final, we will be doing full reaction to what could be a really big win for the Giants, and you you say that, and people will look at you and know, like, big win, it's the Texans. But in the grand scheme of things, if you are a playoff team, these are the types of games you have to win, considering the schedule that they have coming up. 
So we'll do a deep dive into Giants Texans 21-10 with 2:21 left in the third quarter. Jets are on a bye week, uh, but we still will have a conversation about them sitting pretty right now at six and three. Feel really good about my football team, uh, but we do got to start with the Knicks, unfortunately, and it's unfortunate because when I woke up this morning, I was ready to discuss the Knicks having back-to-back wins over two teams they should beat, the Pistons and then Oklahoma City. And then you look up and, you know, they scored 135 points today. Should be a victory. And as Thibodeau said in his press conference, you score 135 points, that usually is a win. Unless you give up 145 to the opposing team, and that's what happened this afternoon. I don't want to be that guy calling for people's jobs. But if we're being honest, there are certain performances that get coaches fired. And this week we saw two of them. The Nets have been excellent without Kyrie. They won yesterday in L.A. against the Clippers. They played tonight against the Lakers. So it looks like they're going to improve to 5-1 to and one without Kyrie Irving if they do win this game tonight. But should they be blowing the Knicks out by 30? That game wasn't competitive on Wednesday past the first quarter. And Durant made it look easy. 29-point triple-double. And he's dropping dimes to Seth Curry and Sumner and Patty Mills and Claxton. They just made it look so easy. The Thunder. I understand they have young talent and it's exciting. But they also came in at 5-7 and seven with just one road win, and this afternoon completely embarrassed the Knicks. And the 10-point loss didn't really do it justice. The Knicks had led by 12 early, and then it got out of hand in the second half. And thanks to Emmanuel Quickly and Cam Reddish, they you know were able to stay in the game and, and keep it close and to you know within striking distance but ultimately succumbed to just three-pointer after three. I, I think Oklahoma City, despite the game having been over the, about the past 45 minutes, OKC still might be hitting threes right now against that Knicks defense. I mean, SGA, he's an unbelievable player, had his way this afternoon. 37-8-5. and five. Made it look so easy. Also threw in two blocks. The Thunder this afternoon hit 17 threes. At one point in the third quarter, I'm listening to Breen on the broadcast, and he says Oklahoma City shooting 70% from the field. How is that possible? How at all is that for a team to be shooting 70% from the field? And it was open three, wide open layup, turnover. And listen, if, if you are sitting in the garden cheering when, when they put up 48 points in the first quarter, the last thing you thought you were going to be doing is two quarters later booing the same team. And that's what happened. Because the Knicks just looked so lifeless and unenthused, could not be any more disinterested. Which brings me back to Tom Thibodeau. I, I never thought the answer would be, you got to fire the head coach. It seems to be the knee-jerk reaction because it's the easiest thing to do. Trading players isn't as easy as the resounding message that is sent firing a head coach. And I don't necessarily think that that is the right move. I, uh, Tom Thibodeau, 
I think is still a really good coach. You know, two years removed from winning the coach of the year, had this team in the playoffs as the, as the four seed. But performances like this, and then you couple that with him being a defensive-minded head coach, overseeing a team that right now is 18th in defensive, defensive efficiency, doesn't bode well for his job. Remember a few weeks ago, the Celtics set a franchise record, 27 threes in a game? When we start to question effort, and defense, when you're a defensive guru, that begins to be a problem. And this game was you know, sort of similar to what we saw uh, a, a few weeks ago against the Hawks, where the Knicks came out strong, looked good, fans all engaged and into it, and then all of a sudden you look up and it's a double-digit loss. And you're wondering, how does that happen when we have R.J. Barrett, Jalen Brunson, and Julius Randle, three guys we're depending on to be really good for us? Jalen Brunson, the, the savior at, at the point guard position. R.G. Barrett, who we just gave a lucrative extension to because we have visions of him being a perennial all-star. And Julius Randle, who just two years ago was eighth in MVP voting. How is it possible for us to consistently look this lackluster? It's an issue. And, again, I don't necessarily think that Firing the coach is the answer, but when the signs start to point to team might be tuning him out, defensively they're not getting it done. And his defense, no no pun intended, who are the lockdown defenders they have? You lose Mitchell Robinson, that is going to stymie you because he's the guy who cleans it up. He is not just blocking shots and deterring drivers, but... Closing out possessions with rebounds is huge. And him keeping possessions alive with offensive rebounds. And Sims has, been, has, Sims has stepped in and has, you know, has done just as good as he can. But when you lose a guy like Mitchell Robinson, it's, it's going to put you in at a disadvantage defensively and on the boards. 800-919-3776. We are reacting to the Knicks falling short. This afternoon, 145-135 was the final score at the Garden. We will continue to keep you posted on Giants and Texans. It is a big game for the Giants because if you're going to make the playoffs, this is, you know, you do the win-loss game, you, the 1-6-1 one, one Texans come into your building, it is a game that you have to win. Now, if they lose it, is, is it, you know, season-ending? Of course not. But it's going to be gut-wrenching. Coming off of a bye, losing to a one-win team led by Davis Mills, not something that can happen. Giants right now, though, up 21-10 to as we near the end of that third quarter. We will be all over this game and the rest of the Week 10 NFL slate. That, unfortunately, does not include the Jets. It's so funny, right? Like, in years past, you're a Jet fan. You can't wait for the bye. Just need a rest. You, you need some type of, you know, respite. But today I woke up disappointed. I want to see the Jets on my television. But we'll have to wait a week where they'll have a chance to get revenge against the New England Patriots. 800-919-3776. Taking your calls on the Knicks. Ty D. Butler on Twitter and Instagram. We're going until 6.30 right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Josh Allen apparently is down, came into the game with a UCL injury against the Vikings. Right now, the Bills are 
with possession of the ball, first and 10 on the Minnesota 37. But Josh Allen, after a pass deep right to Gabe Davis for 23 yards, is now down on the field. Uh, actually, Josh Allen down after throwing a pick in the end zone. I'm sorry, I'm a little behind on my feed here. I uh, got the Giants game on the screen, got red zone also on the screen. But Josh Allen is down after throwing a pick in the end zone. So that's not good news for the Buffalo Bills. And it was a pick six that Josh Allen just just threw. So uh, Patrick Peterson made the interception. We'll keep you posted on that. Uh, the Texans are going to Houston Texan. For the second straight time they are in the red zone, they turned the ball over. This time an interception by Davis Mills. Thrown into the end zone. He, he actually had a touchdown on the previous play, but it was called back on a holding call. And the Giants are fortunate uh, because this, this, would be, was, this would be an ugly loss. This would be an ugly loss. And it uh, looks like they may be able to escape this one uh, and get to 7-2 and two on the season. Go on to Twitter, at Ty D. Butler, where you can hit me up. Uh, I got Chris saying, Ty, I don't even watch Nick games anymore. I almost expect the Knicks to lose, and now look at Mitchell shining uh, in Cleveland. And listen, it's so funny. I was just talking to my producer, Joe Leo, about this. When when the Donovan Mitchell conversations were happening, it's almost like like we work in a in a weird way. Like our mind just is so allergic to prosperity. Even talking about the 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 possibility of being prosperous because all we hear is gotta get gotta go get the star gotta get the the big star gotta land the marquee free agent or anytime someone wants to be traded we're loaded with picks and capital and assets to go get that guy and then that guy becomes available and we start picking apart all of his flaws the reason you didn't want donovan mitchell was because he he shoots a low field goal percentage doesn't play any defense so it's like wait you wanted the star. The star is available and wants to come here, and now you're picking apart his his game? For what reason? It's because you're allergic to the thought of being prosperous. So how that take work out for you of Donovan Mitchell, where all of his numbers are up this season, where he's now actually playing defense, and yes, he's benefited by you know playing alongside Garland and, and, and Evan Mobley and Jared Allen, who are you know not allowing anyone to score in the paint. But Donovan Mitchell could have been on this team, and I was one of the guys who said I would really not like to include R.J. Barrett in that deal just because you want to have someone who can also handle the ball, someone who's going to take the pressure off of Mitchell having to do it all every night on the offensive end, and R.J. Barrett can be that guy, but I'm starting to regret it, and it does feel like some of the Knicks fans I'm talking to are also on that train of regretting that take because... Uh, you need a star, you don't have the star, and it doesn't look like the, the, the guy that you thought could become that star on this team is progressing uh, in a way that you thought that he could. 800-919-3776. Saeed is in Brooklyn wants to chop it up. What's up, Saeed? Hey, Todd. Good evening. Good, good evening. Um, What's up, bro? Cleveland was a better team than us last year. So, you know, Adam Mitchell and was only going to make that team a better team. We would have... You know, minus RJ, we would have been losing talents. But that's besides the point that I wanted to. But can I so before before the, we before we get past that, I just want to ask you a question. Isn't part of the game to attract more talent? So it's not like the last move of all the chess moves is is just adding Donovan Mitchell. 
it's the idea that now we have a, a, a star in the making, a guy who's only what twenty six years old, who's a who's been an all star, who's you know been on high level Utah Jazz teams that yes did flame out in the playoffs, and, and he played his worst playoff series last year against the Mavs. But just having talent, having that attraction of a Donovan Mitchell on this team, can put you in a position where other guys want to come here. Isn't that part of the like way you you do the the, the chess move? Well, I watched Carmelo play with Ty Santiago, Rothenberg, and Saeed, that, and we went nowhere. So it matters, you know, if you can't get the people to come out, and you can't get the players to come out, then you're just a struggling team. And it, I mean, you won 54 games, though, with Melo. You won 54 games with Melo. And by the way, people forget this. The reason why – so there wasn't a bad trade. The reason why it didn't work out was because your second star, Mari Stoudemire, just kept getting hurt. If, if, St- if Stoudemire stays team? healthy, then that seems pretty good. Remember, we were talking about them beating the big three in Miami. Like, that happened. Like, that was that was something that we were talking about. Could you imagine what Melo would have looked like with Wilson, Mozgov, uh, Gallinari? Oh, those guys and were all replaceable, man. What what ha- what yeah. happened to them once yeah, they left the Knicks? They were all replaceable. But and where did Andy Routens go? Where did uh, uh, I couldn't even name these guys. These guys are YMCA players. But that's besides the point. <laughs> what I wanted to say is that, you know, right now, the biggest, the, the, you know, the people um, that lose the most right now is Tibbs. You know, you knew that Tibbs was a, a, a playoff coach. You knew that Tibbs was a, a coach that was going to, you know, rely heavily on veterans. And you don't give him those types of players for him to play with. That's the sad part. You know, you got one foot in and you got one foot out. You know, um, this, I see talent on this team, but we Everybody else knows this, but the Knicks management that we're in a rebuilding process, and it makes no sense to add on a Fournier and add on a Randall. You got to get rid of these guys and let these young guys play and go through the growing pains like Oklahoma City is doing, like like Detroit is doing, like all these other. There's no quick fixes, and it seems like we're trying to cheat death right now. If you are in the midst of a rebuild, and the first move you made this off season was to give Jalen Brunson 104 million dollars. That's pretty bad, man. That's not good. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have did it. I would have. I would have let. I would have let quickly get a shot at it. I would have let RJ. I mean, but we're, 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 you know, we're such a quick fix team. We're such a quick fix fan franchise, and the fans and the everybody just wants this quick fix. And we're watching everybody else go this through this rebuilding process. All these guys on Cleveland, those guys were drafted by Cleveland. Those guys were drafted by um, most of those guys were drafted by Cleveland. Most of those guys was drafted. Jared by Allen. Cleveland. Jared Allen wasn't drafted by the Cavs. They drafted. Well, no, I said most. Yeah, they drafted Mobley. They then, they did draft Garland. Obviously, Kevin yeah, Love wasn't drafted Sexton. by the Cavs. Sex, yeah, Sexton, who Sexton. they traded away to get Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, see, but you know, you know, you need you need the pieces. You gotta you gotta make that move. You gotta make moves, and just everybody just want this quick fix. You gotta have a core, and we we need to we need to establish a core before we try to bring anybody in to just continue losing. And that's 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 what I have to say about that. I appreciate the call, side, uh, insightful call. I, a lot of I disagree with it, but I don't mind us uh, having a difference in opinion. The thing is, if, if like if the if the ideology is that you are of the mindset the Knicks should have been in the midst of a re- rebuild, then you got to be ticked off that they signed Jalen Brunson to a hundred and four million dollar contract. But I, I, a lot of Knicks fans were excited about it because you've been deprived of having a, a legitimate point guard 
and you finally got him. We saw what he was able to do last year when, when Luka was hurt and how he was able to orchestrate winning games against the Jazz in the first round. He was, he was putting together a nice playoff resume, and now you bring him in to fill that void at, at the point guard position. There was reason for excitement. My point is just it doesn't feel like much change. Like, at, at, like compare the excitement to the current results, and it, it, the math doesn't add up. You should be further along in this process than you are, and in losing today to the Thunder, giving up 145 points is an absolute disaster. Joe, uh, it says West. I'm not. I'm not sure what the wet, the rest of this is, but Joe wants to chop it up. What's up, Joe? Where are you calling from, Joe? What's up, Joe from West Harrison, New York. That's north oh, of the West Bronx. Harrison. How you doing, What's buddy? Up, I'm doing well. I What's up? Agree, I, I couldn't agree with you more. It, it seems like nothing has changed with this team. The Atlanta game being basically the epitome of this team. They go up 20-something, and then everybody gets into their own game, just throwing up. I understand coaches want you to shoot threes, but everybody wants to throw up a three when you could drive to the basket and just and lay it on them. Everybody gets a little bit selfish. I don't know if the bright lights in New York or what. And, you know, tired of seeing the same old basketball, like you said, Randall, dribble, 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 uh, fadeaway shot. I mean, that's not his game. And like your, the guy last call said, if you're really doing a rebuild, you have to do your best to trade Randall, even if you had to give him up for a bag of balls. I mean, if you're going to rebuild, then rebuild, like you said. If you're not, then then you should have brought Mitchell in, right or wrong. You know, yeah. that's my thoughts on that. You I, know? I, agree, I agree with that, and I appreciate the call, Joe. If 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 Mitchell the, – the reason why it's tough to have this conversation is because if you remember, Danny Ainge, it just felt like the, the flirtation, it was – how can I put this? Like, it was flirting in a way where we really had no in interest in actually going out on a date. Like, it, it was just, you're, you're trying to drive up the price for Cleveland. So, Nick fans uh, will tell you that they never thought that Danny Ainge was going to trade Mitchell to, the, to this team just because he didn't want to help them and what he was asking for. But if it comes down to including R.J. Barrett, some picks, and Quentin Grimes, and it's a deal that you look back and you say, oh, I wish we had made that. More of your phone calls coming up, 800-919-3776. Texans have the ball again. The Giants offensively just are a mess. Can't do much. They have 21 points today, but there's, real no, there's really no consistency. And you would feel better about them going forward as far as what their ceiling is if you could consistently on offense put together drives that led to touchdowns. Uh, but it's like Saquon or Buss, and, and, and that's no disrespect to Daniel Jones because he's making some big throws today. He's missed a couple, but he's responded, as I mentioned, when the Giants needed to score, he's done that. But it's just not giving you the feel that they have enough offensively for you to actually believe in them as a team that's on the cusp of going 7-2. and two. We also got to talk about the uh, news from this morning with Schefter on, on Barkley's contract situation and how it could affect what they do this offseason with Daniel Jones. So still a lot to do as we're going until 630. Ty D. Butler on Twitter and Instagram. 800-919-3776. More of your phone calls coming up right here on 987 ESPN. This is the Ty Butler Show on 98.7 ESPN. Texans, uh, stop me if you've heard this one before. They're back in the red zone against the Giants. They're, so they're corralling yards. They're picking up yardage on this Giant defense. But the true testament to the greatness of this Giant defense is uh, bend but don't break. They're not, they're not scoring points. Did the Texans just turn it over again? Is this another turnover for the Texans? 
Uh, looks like his arm, Davis Mills. Uh, I guess they're calling this a fumble. His arm is coming forward. I don't. I don't know if that's gonna stay ruled as a fumble. But the Giants' defense has recovered another uh, Texans mistake in the red zone. His arm's coming forward, so the officials should correct this one pretty quickly, uh, and that should be ruled an incomplete pass. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. We will. Go full Giants recap once this game is over. Right now, the Tex, uh, excuse me, the the Vikings on the comeback trail. They now they are now down twenty seven twenty three in Buffalo. So best believe if Minnesota Minnesota is able to pull off this comeback, you know where they were down twenty seven to ten, and the Jets are now all of a sudden in first place, uh, tied with them. <laughs> we're gonna have some fun today on these airwaves. So we'll keep you posted on the rest of that game. And I was also rooting for the Browns because the Dolphins are, uh, you know, at 6-3 and three as well. So the Dolphins now up 39-17. to 17. Cleveland not doing its job today. Neither is Minnesota. But we will wait to see what happens in the latter game because that could be good news for the Jet fans out there. 800-919-3776. Back to the phone calls we go. Anthony and Flushing wants to talk. What's up, Anthony? You know, Ty is a Knicks fan. When do we kind of look at this whole World Wide West Leon Rose experiment as a failure? It's interesting. We're in year three. We're in year three. We were promised that at the very least, with those two guys at the helm, we were going to be in the mix for a number of different big-name free agents. So far, all we've gotten is Evan Fournier (laughs) and wildly overpaying Jalen Brunson. Kevin Durant said that the Knicks were never even on his mind when he was when he was looking around at teams. So, what have they brought to the table? They haven't not drafted much. well. Not, not, not much at all. They haven't drafted well. I mean, let's look at our last picks. Obi Toppin is on the verge of being a bust. Okay, um, he hasn't really done much as a Nick. And the Knicks, the worst thing about being a Knicks fan is this time. We're in the worst po- – I'm, I'm a little sick, so I'm sorry. We're in the worst possible position you could be in the NBA. Mediocre. We're in that position in the NBA where you're kind of a 500 team, yep. so you're never going to really get that high lottery pick chance, but you're also never going to be more than a 7-8 seed to where you're going to run into Milwaukee and Philadelphia, and you're just going to get knocked down the first round. So it's kind of like you, you just spoke about Cleveland. Cleveland was the worst team in the NBA for a few years, so they mm-hmm. stockpiled those picks where they got the, the Mobleys and the Sextons and they got the, the, the other guys that they got. The Knicks aren't in that position. The Knicks aren't in that position, and it just seems like we're going to be teetering around 500 for so long. We're never going to be able to get that high lottery pick. We're, we're just not. So it's kind of as a Knicks fan, I hate to say it's hopeless, but it just the outlook is is bleak. I'll say yes, that. Yes, and I agree with you, Anthony. Appreciate the call. And it's not just about everything that you outline, but it's projecting forward. How close are you to correcting this? Like, where do we go from here? And I, I posed this question yesterday when I was on the on the air. The next time the Knicks are, let's just say, the Eastern Conference Finals, because they've won one playoff series in, in twenty years. The next time they're in the Eastern Conference Finals. Look at the guys on this roster. Who is still here? Because it doesn't feel like you're all that close to that, to, to being on the cusp of that level of contention. 
because the Bucks with Giannis and Middleton and Drew Holiday are going nowhere. They're going nowhere. The Celtics with Tatum, Brown, and Smart were, were two wins away from winning the finals last year. They're going nowhere. The Cavs with that young group with Garland and Mitchell and Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, they're going nowhere. The Hawks with, you know, they were already, the Hawks a couple of years ago were in the Eastern Conference Finals. Last year suffered a disappointment, and the way they corrected that was going out there and trading for DeJounte Murray. They're going nowhere. The Raptors are still in the mix. We don't know what's going to happen with the Nets. They're kind of a, you know, uh, every day it's a, a new story kind of situation with the Nets. But if this team is healthy and whole with Durant, Harden, and Simmons, the expectation is, yes, they're better than the Knicks. The Sixers with Embiid and, and, and James Harden. I know Miami's gotten off to a little bit of a struggle, but they should be at, at least, you know, worst-case scenario in the Knicks' top eight. Where are the Knicks cracking in? So how do you do this? Julius Randle's actually not playing that poorly this year. I, I'm thinking that... You hope he continues to rise. You hope he continues to perform well. And Reddish does the same. You hope these guys continue to perform well because then they become valuable trade assets. You can flip them into either picks or going out there and getting better players. Because I just don't see this iteration of the Knicks going anywhere. And unfortunately, Tom Thibodeau is going to be the first person who has to answer for what's been a disappointment so far the last year and then 13 games into this season but the 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 buck's not going to stop there and if you're questioning this regime you have every right to do so because the results have not been positive at least as far as what the expectations were murray phone calls coming up as we hit hour number two ty butler going until 6 30 right here on 98.7 espn this is the ty butler show on 98.7 espn